Life is going to give you challenges, struggles. It's going to force you to face your fears. Even though these may feel like your worst enemy, in truth, these are actually your greatest allies. My name is Lance Isios. Welcome to the University of Adversity. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to University of Adversity. Today, we have my friend Sam Kabert joining us today for the second time. He joined us on episode 214, and we're diving into his new book, Soul Life Balance, A Guide to Igniting and Integrating Spiritual Awakenings. I thought this was a great opportunity to have him on, not only because his book is now a bestseller, but because there's a lot of new listeners joining, and I think it's a great time to revisit what spirituality is and how it can help you when navigating adversity what it means, what the soul is, what the ego is. And a lot of what Sam teaches and talks about is in, is in alignment with I, what I talk about. And we have similar stories as to how we got to this place around personal transformation, you know, uh, psychedelics, personal growth, podcasting, writing a book. We're on similar paths. And we both started with um, in 2020 with Aubrey Marcus Fit for Service Fellowship. And it took us on this ride that has got us to where we are today. We both joined this program right before the pandemic and it brought us a lot of uh, crazy experiences. So I'm really excited to have him back on the show. The first episode that if you want to check out after goes into deeper into his story, but this episode is more around kind of diving in headfirst into his book and his teachings and what it means to really tap into that spiritual essence, what it means to integrate this stuff into your life. Because at the end of the day, if we don't have this, if we learn this information, if we hear Sam or we hear from anyone else, if we don't know how to take it and integrate it into our life, then it's useless. So I really wanted to break it down for you guys, not only to give you a taste of some of Sam's work so you go buy his book, because I do, I believe you should. It's powerful. But I'll just be just just to give you an awareness if spirituality is something that you're new to and you're look you're curious about it. Because at the end of the day, if you're listening to this show, you want some new tools for navigating adversity, the challenges we face in life. And I believe if we're able to tap into our spiritual essence, our truth, nature, our soul, our higher self our heart, it makes it easier to navigate the adversity that we are facing and to change that perspective. So this was a great conversation. I always enjoy Sam. All his information are in the show notes to check it out, the link to his book. And I know you guys will enjoy this. So if you guys are brand new to the show, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to this, whether you're on CastBox, Spotify, Apple, wherever, or if you're on YouTube watching it, subscribe. We want to build some momentum for this podcast and the more subscribers, the better. Also, if you do get value from this, leave us a review on Apple. It's greatly appreciated or share this on social media, tag us. Whatever you can do to share it, it's greatly appreciated. All right? This is an awesome conversation and I know you guys will get great value from it. All right? Get ready. Enjoy this episode, Sam Kabert coming right up. There we go, Mr. Sam Kabert. Welcome Land. back to the show, bro. 
Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be back and always uh, just really good to reconnect and see you. So appreciate the opportunity, brother. Absolutely, man. Likewise, likewise. I think we did this probably almost two years ago, the last time. Wow, it's been that long. Yeah, I was trying to think about it. I'll have to go back in the dates of the episode. But for, yeah, for all you new listeners and everybody that's been listening for a while, Sam and I had met in the Fit for Service Aubrey Marcus Fellowship in 2020. And we were both on these similar journeys of, I don't even know what journeys we were on in the beginning, right? Just trying to figure out what these, you know, the, you know, trying to try to find like-minded people and, and, and connect. And, you know, it kind of had led to this like massive community of people and spiritual awakenings and all of that. So what were you seeking at that time, bro? Like now we get into that, like, what was that? Why did you even start that in the first place? Such a great question, Lance. Yeah. You know, back then it was really a journey of self-discovery for me. And even like my podcast the tagline back then was a journey of self-discovery and through that first year of fit for service in 2020 i actually even updated my tagline to a journey of re remembering and that's exactly where i was at and i think that's a big part of the cyclical process of a spiritual awakening experience right like first it's like oh this is a self-discovery like even before you might have that peak experience of a spiritual awakening you know maybe it's personal development and it's self-discovery and then as you make that transition from like personal development to soul development it becomes like this deep inner knowing where it's this remembering so for me i had just done ayahuasca in april of 2019 and i was very lonely you know i got there the first night it was it was everything you could ever imagine if you know someone's listening and they're curious or they know a little bit about plant medicine you know or the oneness or you know, just universal existential knowledge and wisdom and integrating was very tough for me because i didn't have anyone in my sphere that was even close to spiritual i had a meditation teacher charlie who's an amazing good mentor and friend but that was it. And he was in a different state too. So it was very hard to integrate. And I found fit for service in December of 2019. So like months and months later, you know, maybe like six months later or so, and then joined that community, like you mentioned. So from there, it really just opened everything up because community is what's so important. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, I think we, we all had our own individual almost like, you know, the, and then we'll talk about like whispers and these like signs that come up in our lives that we are like, what is that? Like, what is this it? You know, what else is there? There's gotta be more. And, you know, when we hear different people speak about things, it kind of piques this curiosity and makes you want to go down more down the rabbit hole. Right. And then you start to meet people that are in the same the same sort of realm and it gets super interesting. And I think, you know, that journey for all of us led to such a, like, I mean, now it's, it's 2022. It was a different world when we started that. Yeah, true. Pre-pandemic too. And it was almost like we were getting ready for battle. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, 
And for us too, like back then I kind of felt or thought of fit for service as like pledge classes because it was trimester based at the time. And you and I had both signed up for the whole year. Right. But we also signed up at in January at the very beginning. So like our class, if you will, that were in it together of January, 2020, we all went through the thick of it together. Right. Like when the world was turning upside down and Honestly, like looking back, had I not been a part of Fit for Service, I don't know what I would have done, right? Because I was just getting into not just spirituality, but like remembering even from my youth, kind of how I felt about programming and conditioning, like this knowing and then, you know, being shoved in a box and told I was wrong and then really just put myself to sleep. So had I not had that community, not to get into political stances and things like that, but who knows where personally I would have been, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And it was such a blessing to have community of people, even when you're going through things to bounce off each other and share. And that's the big reason as to why I think also podcasts are powerful too, because people hear stories and at the end of the day, people just want to feel that they're not alone. Mm -hmm. Right. When you realize you're not alone, then it gives you the opportunity to, it almost gives you permission to, to take action or to do something differently because so many people out there feel alone. But then when somebody's message resonates with them, then they're like, oh shit, they're just like me. They, they get it. And then it kind of gives them the permission. And I feel like a lot of us are just seeking permission slips, right? For what yeah, we already true. know. That that feeling of that inner knowing. And I think that was a great way for us to be able to discover that. And, you know, the the world that we're in right now, I feel like there's a lot of people who are slowly coming out of that cocoon also. And they're sort of like, wait a minute. Like, I thought it was like this. I've kind of known things are not feeling right, but it didn't really make sense. But now I'm starting to understand. And I think the more you you find people that kind of have similar beliefs or think differently, it just makes it easier for you to make sense of everything. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I think it's really important to question too and not, yeah, I agree with everything you're saying for sure. Yeah, it's, it, it really is, man. And I mean, with, I'm, I'm excited because we're both, we're both, uh, you just finished writing a book, Soul Life Balance, a guide to igniting and integrating spiritual awakenings, which is such a great title. And thank you. I'm excited because I, the journey that we both been on has kind of led us to that writing of the book and now yours is done and it's out and it's you know, you're a best-selling author now and it's, there's lots of hype and it's successful and we're going to dive into this book. And I just kind of want to, before we dive in is like, what does that mean? I know you've probably been asked this a million times, but somebody that's just kind of learning about you, they see soul life balance. First of all, what does that mean? And maybe we can unpack like what a spiritual awakening and what spirituality really is. Yeah, it sounds awesome. Just feel free to interject at any point, but it's 
first and foremost, starting with work-life balance and the propaganda that work-life balance is. And you don't hear this often, right? But this is one of the things that came through in my medicine ceremony back in 2019. Like I knew I would be writing this book and speaking on stages about this back then. And at the time, I about a year previously, I, I wrote three books, my first three books in less than a year. And for people that know me, they know I move really fast. So for me to sit with this for nearly three years to write the book was a massive deal to really slow down. That's been part of my journey. But anyways, starting with work-life balance, if we think about it, like we glorify being weekend warriors, like there's seven days in a week and we're going to talk about our weekend plans and be like, oh, I'm a weekend warrior and look how much I'm, I'm doing on the weekend. In what world does it make sense at all that we're stoked to have two days a week that we're, we're chasing our stoke, right? And we're really living life. Same thing with the amount of hours there are in a day, 24 hours in a day. Typical work day is at least eight hours, five days a week. Maybe you're aiming for eight hours. You know, most people probably get closer to six or seven most, right? But let's just say eight and keep numbers easy. That's eight hours of working, eight hours of sleeping, 16 hours. Then you have eight hours left in your day for what? Pre-pandemic, a lot of people, it was commutes. A lot of it was commute. Other than that, you're going to have like catching up and doing things that your obligations, but how much time is there actually to whether it's connect with your soul, do your passions, anything like that. So if you keep looking at work-life balance, you look at how we save our PTO to enjoy our lives for retirement, how we save up our vacation. Then when people come back from a vacation, they need a vacation from the vacation. You can really see that the whole work-life balance, like programming has been to keep us distracted from, oh, maybe a lot of us actually aren't happy with our jobs and we are just not thinking about it because we're looking at like, oh, I won't have good work-life balance versus looking at the system and be like, does this make sense, right? So the reframe of work-life balance is to soul life balance, realizing that we don't have a personal life and a work life. We are living one life right now, yet our language is like, oh, my personal life and my business life, that doesn't make any sense. So in the reframe, work is under life. We are not giving it as much focus and attention. So first things first is a mindset shift. The other thing too is, and this is just a little bit interesting, but it's work-life balance, not life-work balance. If you look at most phrases, the letter that's closer to the A in the alphabet would be first. So technically, since L comes before W in the alphabet, it should be life work balance. So you can see a subliminal programming to put more emphasis on work before your own life, which I just think that's kind of fascinating in its own regard. And that's also why in the reframe, it's soul life balance and not life soul balance because we are so severed from our connection from anything spiritual at all that is so important and so imperative to get reconnected with our soul. In fact, Suicide rates, as I'm sure you know, and many of the listeners know, and this is even pre-pandemic, are the highest they've been in over 30 years ever, actually. You know, and our mental health has been at the first and foremost, one of the issues that's been so important to me from being directly affected by that, you know, and yeah, basically soul life balance is building daily practices to reconnect with your soul after the 
the mindset shift. And that can look like so many different things for different people. And even people that are agnostic or even atheists that may not believe in, you know, an afterlife, reincarnation, a God, anything like that at all. Most people have something in their life that they actually enjoy. Like, I'll tell you, I suffer from depression all the time. And, and there's a lot of times when I'll say I am not passionate about anything. There's nothing that I like and I don't enjoy anything. But I still know in those moments that there have been moments in my life that I have felt really connected to something. Maybe it's uh, getting a wave surfing and be like, oh, my God, what is this feeling like? Right. For a lot of people, it'd be sports or some for some form of artistic expression. So anyways, because that's one of the rebuttals you could have about like, you know, oh, is this preachy about religion or spirituality or God? It's like, well, no, everyone still has something that lights them up. And we need to make time for that on a daily basis. So I'll pause there and see what comes up for you. It's still 7 a.m. for me too, I should say. And my brain's still waking up and starting a fire. So I feel a little off. Well, it's, you're, it's, it's great, man. No, it's, it's awesome. And I, dude, I talk about, this is the thing that I love is that we have both learned so much from the same sort of source, which is like when you're speaking, it's a lot of the stuff that I talk about too, which mm -hmm. you're just kind of adding in more of things that I talk about, which is so great because it's so important for us to tap into those activities because that is really your soul and your intuition. That is like the arts and the, the expression and all the things that allow us to connect to our bodies, which means we connect to source, to God, whatever you believe in. And that a lot of people don't take the time to do that. Yeah. And one thing that came up for me too, through writing the book was it's not just like artistic expression, getting these things out. It's challenging yourself, right? Because right. guys like you and I, we have artistic expressions in multiple different ways, right? Like for me, I have the podcast. I was doing a video series called Brochuality, where I broke down spirituality and uh, bro type films and so many different like content projects, a few different businesses that, that are doing things I enjoy and really artistic. However, it wasn't necessarily challenging till I picked up this book and I really had to go deep with the book. And then even still, I played electric guitar for two years in high school. It was never any good. And for whatever reason, speaking of whispers, I was like, I want to get a guitar. Hadn't played in 15 years. And for like three weeks straight, I was playing every day. I was playing all the time and I was advancing really quickly. And then whatever happened, I kind of put it down since then. And now it's like every few days. So it has slowed down. But I will tell you, through finishing the book and picking up the guitar and really challenging myself and having just completed a yoga teacher training and starting to teach yoga, like all these new expressions, I felt more fulfilled in my life than I ever have previously. And I've realized, oh, it's not just like having these outlets for creativity, but it's really pushing yourself. And I don't think there's enough narrative around that because we talk a lot about like having these different expressions. But we all get to that kind of plateau, right? So how are you going to go over that plateau? So it, it, for me, it really comes down to awareness and curiosity and checking out different things. And what that looked like for me with the guitar, you know, that really put me over the edge.
Yeah, it's great to see as well. And for all of you listening, like Sam was very business focused, like very driven, very successful in business. You're crushing it, right? You you did so much, so much success. Yet you weren't you weren't feeling happy. And it goes to show you, right? When you start to incorporate these things, how how it's so it's so good for the whole well-rounding organism that we are. It, it like it, it gives you that fullness, that completeness that a lot of people are lacking. You know, when you're able to tap into that playing the guitar, able to surf and able to do yoga, those are such different things, but they're so important at actually making you better at the thing you're 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 grinding at. Right. Like yeah. It actually makes you better. Yeah, totally. And I think you probably talk about this too. I'm not sure, but like the narrative of checking all the boxes, like when we start to get into, say, mindfulness, and that turns into spirituality. And usually for a lot of people, it starts with, oh, I'm curious on meditating. You know, top performers are saying I should meditate. And you might not be spiritual at all. And you do meditation for that reason. Somewhere along people's path, it may or may not turn into spirituality. It may go deeper with certain journaling prompts that are really uncovering things. You might start building breath work in your practice and just things like that. And then it becomes this kind of external narrative where it's like, okay, I woke up. Now I got to meditate, check the box. Now I got to do my journaling after I meditate, okay, check my box. Oh, I forgot to do breath work before I meditate or whatever. Oh, I'm such a bad person. I need to do breath work now. You know, all these type of things. And it's not about checking the boxes, right? That kind of is counterintuitive to spirituality to approach it like we would with business. To to your point, I wrote a book called The Written Goal. And so, which was all about the mindset of, of behind goal setting and writing your goals and reading them daily. And, you know, a lot of think and grow rich type of philosophies. Napoleon Hill's famous book from 1937. So all that to say, like, soul life balance also is a mix of the archetypal energies of the masculine and the feminine because the archetypal energy isn't about your genitals right it's not about the sex you are it's about the masculine being structured do goal setting all that type of stuff whereas the feminine is more about listening intuition flexibility fluidity and that's the same as yin and yang a lot of people understand yin and yang and yin would be feminine yang would be masculine soul would be feminine it would be yin life would require your obligations, your structure, all that type of stuff. So it's the same thing when we approach our spirituality, it's kind of like if we can embody the soul life balance that, which is this yin yang energy realizing, oh, I would like to build a routine when I wake up to do X, Y, Z, maybe it's breath work, journaling, meditation, et cetera. But maybe there's something else I enjoy. I know you do. What, what have you been doing boxing recently? Yeah, I haven't in a little while, but I, I mean, I love it. I, you know, for my routine lately has just been a lot of meditation, journaling and going, I, I've been loving the sauna lately, like sauna my ass off. My, my point is just like yeah. back in 2015, I was doing triathlon, triathlons and when I would swim and when I would run, that felt like meditation to me. And when I started meditating three years later, I was like, oh, this is what swimming and running did for me. It's very similar to that. So th my point is there's like this huge narrative of to do these certain things, yeah. but it doesn't have to look a certain way. It's asking yourself, well, how does this make me feel? And do I enjoy doing this? Or am I doing this thing because I think I'm supposed to be doing it? You know? 
Yeah. Yeah. And asking the questions about, is this good for me? Am I actually, instead of, you know, looking at someone else doing it, we compare and we think we should be doing it. And I talk about this a lot too, bro. It's like you, the, the shame and the guilt that we can create around not doing something can actually completely be counterproductive oh. to the actual thing. You know, I've done it where, you know, I'm a big believer of, of doing gratitude and all of that for my own psyche to program myself. But there was times where when I don't do the journaling, when I don't do the thing, then I feel bad. And then I'm like, oh, you don't even listen to yourself. You don't even, you know, and then this like narrative comes up. But, you know, I think there's such an important piece there to understand that like that guilt and that shame that I think everybody listening can probably relate to is like when you don't do something, then you beat yourself up. But then that's actually worse. It's like if you're eating food, it's like if you're eating McDonald's, you decide to eat it and then you sit and dwell on it and beat yourself up for it. Just enjoy it. Move on. You know, it's like the guilt and the shame that we put around doing things or not doing things is actually worse. Yeah. I just got a fortune cookie yesterday that I needed for, to have this message just for where the state of mind I was in yesterday. But it says that a day of worry is more exhausting than a week of work. Mm. Is it just, yeah, That's right. So true. And I'm curious from you too, with all your recent work with Dr. Joe Dispenza and everything else, like, are, is there any scientific facts that come up for you? I'm so bad at retaining like facts and data. That's one thing, speaking of the adversarial voice, it's coming up for me right now. I'm so bad at it's one thing I want to work on, right? So it's a constant progress. But for me, it's kind of like questioning and gain, bring that awareness. It's like, okay, I realize this is a thought pattern. And then if you can catch yourself, you can start to rewire it. But anyways, I'm curious if you have any data or science that comes to mind? Well, the thing is when you go to Dr. Joe, and this is a, this is a great question for everybody listening, is that I was definitely a skeptic with all of this stuff because of the, the programming that I had. And Dr. Joe's work, the reason that I love his work is because when you go into his events, half of the time is spent in theory going over science of what he's doing. like. It's, it's not about, we're just going to do this and hope for it. It's like, here is actually what's happening to your brain and we monitor it and we show you results and data. And then here's people that have healed from this. And what he does is he changes the way he says it into different ways each day. He's telling you the same thing, but in a different way. And it's fascinating. And then he shows you studies so that any skeptic, any kind of doubt that you have will go away during your meditations because that is most times as most people are doubting this stuff because they, they don't believe it because they want science or they want to know like, why right. does this work? And that was the, that's why I love this is that it, even though I don't specifically remember d data, I don't care. I'm just like, okay, Holy. there's enough here. I'm like, it's enough for me to just, take me that much deeper into meditation without questioning it. I think that's all that matters, right? And for all of you skeptics out there, I mean, there is a ton of data around this. This isn't just a sit there and hope for miracles. It's literally a, the, the level of energy that you put into it and the level of belief and surrender is what you get. 
And that's why it's so powerful. What, you know, one thing that does come up for me, and I just remembered this is I watched Dr. Joe's show on Gaia as a streaming platform for like mindfulness and spirituality. And you can check out his show. I believe it's called Rewired, Dr. Joe Dispenza. So good. And so good. I, I remember stat, and I might be getting this wrong, but it was something like 80 plus percent of your thoughts on a daily basis are uh, repetitive from the day prior. Yeah. So for me, when I get in one of these states of like anxiety, depression, whatever else, I'm like, okay, what can I do for myself in the moment now to change this? Because this really resonates with Dr. Joe too, in terms of like, I, I, I haven't gone to his conferences and I don't know the deep dive of him like you. I've just watched the show and haven't finished his book. So I have like an understanding of who he is versus deep dive. But anyways, like you can change it in a moment now, mm -hmm. right? Versus like all this work of like, oh, I'm working on getting better, whatever with myself. It's like, no, you can make the change now. So I think about it like this, if 80% of my thoughts are uh, repetitive from the day prior and I wasn't feeling good yesterday and maybe the past three days I, I wasn't feeling good. I'm going to commit to doing whatever self-love I need to do right now so that I can stop this in the tracks and shift it. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah, totally. And this is perfect for people because there's a lot of people out there who are really struggling with what what's going on in the world right now. And aside from your opinions or your whatever, your there's an internal battle going on, right? And especially people who listen to this show, you know, they want to have tips and, and resources of how to get through that shit and essentially overcome themselves so they can overcome what's in front of them, right? And there's a lot of people that are struggling with that. And where I want to take this into the next point is from your book around helping people understand what spirituality and soul is actually because yeah. I want someone to understand like if you're sitting there you don't need to be you don't need to have like a religion or be part of this or that it's just 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 get rid of all of the past stories for a second anything you know about any of this stuff and just open up your heart and and really give yourself the opportunity because a lot of you are stuck in stories that you keep perpetuating into the future and until you let that shit go and you want to create a new path, you're going to keep living that, that same thing over and over again, just like you said with Dr. Joe. So I want to kind of help people right now understand what is spirituality? And this is straight from your book. Like, what is spirituality anyways? And let's dive into understanding the soul. Like, what is the soul? And talk us through, speak to us about spirituality and your definition. and you know, having soul in the title of your book, I really want to give people the clarity of like, what the fuck that actually means. Yeah, totally. So I'll start with this. Before I was into spirituality and I was a big Rogan listener, <laughs> go figure, right? And there's a quote he said that I heard once that became not my mantra, but something I would go back to a lot. And it's, if you ever start taking things too seriously, just remember that we are talking monkeys on an organic spaceship flying through the universe. And for me, like just hearing that quote, it was such a zoomed out perspective that it's like, oh, wow, 
that's true. There is something more to this. Like how often do we actually look up at the stars? If you're in a place where you don't have the light pollution, where you can't see the stars, right? Or how often do we go out in nature and just listen? You know, one of the things for me that's always been a huge pet peeve is going into nature, like, you know, maybe floating down a river, maybe camp, not, not so much camping, but like going to the beach, things like that. And people bring a speaker. That's always been a trigger for me. It's like, no, we're trying to get away from that. You know, even when I was young, that never resonated. So I'd like to start there to just start with some curiosity of what is this this planet, this rock we're on, you know, and gravity, we're getting, we're held here, right? Like just zoom out and kind of look there. So a soul to answer that, this is getting really deep, but right now let's start with the ego. So the character that you will, that I am in this incarnation is Sam. That's my ego, right? That's my personality. That's my likes, dislikes, what I look like, the body I'm embodying. For Lance, it's Lance. For you listeners, it's whoever your name is. That's who you are in this current moment in time. And this is something that either you understand or you won't understand, but all your past, quote unquote, past and future lives are playing out at once. And I know that's very confusing. This gets into the whole concept of time not existing. For a lot of people, like I, I understood this before. I was like, I, that rings true. I believe that. But it wasn't through medicine experiences, to be frank, that I was like, oh, I get it now. You know what I mean? And we could get into timelines. I think that's going to complicate things too much. But the soul is plugged into this ego right now. And the soul is kind of like it lives on. One thing that people will feel through spiritual awakening experience is that death in a sense, and this could be triggering for some, but death in a sense doesn't exactly totally exist because yes, the ego dies, right? The ego dies, the body is no longer there, but the soul lives on. Yeah. So it's a very, one thing, there's another quote I'll share with you that I like from Adya Shanti. He's a really well-respected spiritual teacher and author of many books about spirituality. In his book, End of the World, End of Your World, he says, awakeness woke up from the ego. The ego does not awaken. We are which is awake to the ego. We are that which is awake to the world. And I mean, a lot of this stuff, like, it's so interesting talking about this too, because something I'm working on now, when I first had the concept of soul life balance, it wasn't going to go into that deep of spirituality. It was more like for that previous version of myself that was a workaholic that just needs something, right? Like this reframe and this invitation, this permission slip, like to use your language, which resonates with me as well, that, hey, you can do something more than just focus on work and you can zoom out a bit. But through the book writing process, end up going super deep, like talking about all the different stuff I'm into, shifting timelines, soul contracts, extraterrestrials, all the things, plant medicine, you know, everything. And now I'm kind of going backwards as I get into this new stage of public speaking, keynotes, things like that. For a more corporate and businessy audience, it's like, okay, if I'm truly going to be that bridge between 
kind of working in the rat race, not really totally feeling fulfilled and the invitation of there being more, how can I distill this message and make it easier to digest and grasp and understand? Does that make sense? Yeah. So it's, it's kind of a tricky thing to like talk to that one audience, like you and I, and the, the people listening that are like, oh, I know exactly what you're saying versus ex explain soul from like a very not really connected with what that means type of thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, totally. And I love that quote from Ram Dass, the ego is who we think we are. The soul is really who we are. Mm, yeah, exactly. It's like, it's purity. It's like the, it's like the ego is this create this, like it can be messy. It can be this construct of all these different things. And the soul is just that pure pureness, mm -hmm. the truth. Yeah. And we get caught up in so many of the different activities in a lot of it is our distractions. You know, for me, I had a, this sounds ridiculous, but I had a huge letting go ceremony of, of football, specifically fantasy football. I thought I was in the most ridiculous and aggressively league that ever existed. So much so that we would put timers on for like 3am to wake up and to do our waiver wire pickups and like we in destination drafts, you know, all the college bros partying like we were still in college and we lived above a, the most popular bar in town in college. And, you know, it was a top party school. So did the whole thing. It was, was like our way to keep going. And literally one of those guys who would watch football on Monday nights, on Thursday nights, when that became normal on Saturdays, when that became a thing too, and then all day on Sunday. So literally my life was evolving around football. The podcast I was even because my business was skyrocketing and running itself. So I need to, you know, continue to consume business content. You know, I was like business doing great. I'm getting some content creation, listening to podcasts about fancy football, listening to Sirius XM radio. So I'm getting things in real life, getting notifications, all this stuff. Cold Turkey left the league, stopped watching football in the past three years. I've watched like maybe four or five games. My team is the Niners. They've been in the Super Bowl twice. And it's just been weird to like not have this uh, really like association with football or my team anymore. And just like, oh, they're in the Super Bowl. Whereas before, like if they lost a game, then I would deep feel depressed. Right. And if we really look at a lot of people's relationships to professional sports, we celebrate in other people's wins and we get depressed in other people's losses. Like it doesn't make any sense at all. And we can zoom out and look so many different ways from maybe consumerism, which is about the consumption and not thinking about carbon footprint, always wanting more and the temptation of how easy it is to click a button online and get something ordered at your finger, at your doorstep that you don't even need or materialism, outsourcing our own joy and happiness into brands that will make us feel better about ourselves that we're unconsciously doing. So when we really start to look at all these different distractions it's a very powerful way to i don't want to say separate separate yourself from the ego but that's kind of like the ego getting caught up in the matrix of the game and not really thinking about it, and then getting into that more like victim mentality which is in a lot of i know i might be sounding a little conspiracy theorist but like a lot of the programming and the and conditioning is to keep us in that more limited state 
and the idea, why are so many people in a victim mentality, which victim mentality, if you're not familiar with that term, it can probably be most easily summed up to a thought pattern of why is this happening to me versus for me? Anything at all that is limiting, that's like, oh man, why, you know, just, uh, it's like that self-perpetuating loop, negative feedback loop, right? And there's no shame, judgment, or anything like that at all for people that are stuck in that. If anything, guys like you and I want to be the bridge to show you, hey, there's another way. And it's not your fault. It's it's kind of like we didn't agree to the conditions in which this game is played, but now we're going to rewrite the rules, you know? Yeah, dude. I mean, the word conspiracy theory to me, I just think is the most bullshit term now because it doesn't really represent anything. It's just like a term to say to somebody, oh, you're questioning this? You're a conspiracy theorist. It's just such a fucking stupid term now. And <laughs> I know I've talked about this a lot. And everybody that listens, well, most people, as far as I know, all of you guys are wanting to question things and you want the truth, right? And I I believe that we 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 must. We must question things. Yeah. Because... There's, there's a lot of lies out there. And I just think it's so important that creating community around people understanding that it's okay to question. And then you just got to go back to yourself. Like what is true to me? You know, am yeah. I living someone else's story or is this true to me? Recently, I put together a page on my website that has like re resources for different things I'm looking at right now. And there's a few different categories like universal curiosity, science, medicines, integration, documentaries and movies. And there's a tab that says thought manipulation. Yeah. And it is a series of different of, of ways that our thoughts are being manipulated, which are otherwise labeled as conspiracy theories. It's kind of like being like, well, no, one side is going to say that's wrong and it's a conspiracy. And I, I'm of the camp saying this is thought ma manipulation and what's keeping us in this limited state, right? Yeah. So totally. And this is this is the this is this is a great point because. You know, con continually to call people conspiracy theorists just for being curious and asking questions is, is the wrong idea. And I, you know, I think we've all, we all do it because it's like an easy way to say, oh, well, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. And I've done it. I do it too. And I see, I see a lot of people. I see Rogan. I see Aubrey. I see a lot of people. But it's like, what does that even mean anymore? Yeah. You know what well, I mean? It's like, yeah. It's like, they try to put you in a box like, oh, if you believe in that, then you believe in flat earth. And if you believe in flat earth, nothing uh, you say matters. And it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah, exactly. You automatically, if you question, then you must be a flat earther. And that's like everything that you say, or you become a flat earther because you question it. That is, that is a mind fuck. And that goes into labels and putting people's in, in boxes. And yes, I, I realize that I've already personally used many labels on this podcast. And I just mentioned how I have categories on my website, which are labels. Yeah. So yes, it, it, there's a weird dance in this game that is life, right? Where yeah. like we can know that labels aren't great. Like, oh, I'm a this, I'm a that versus I'm like, I'm a depressed person versus I'm experiencing a momentary a feeling of depression, right? You know, like exactly. there's a massive difference. Yeah, completely. Yeah. And 
I think that's the thing. It's, it's the labels and the meaning we give to these things, right? It's like the meaning that you give something and the feeling you put towards it is everything. It's even the word adversity and, you know, for the name of this show, and I've even asked myself, I'm like, I, I, I encourage people to change their perspective and what, how they, the meaning they give to certain words, like failure, fear. Immediately when you hear these words, you think of like a roadblock or you think of like, oh shit, like you kind of go into victim mentality, right? Because of the programming, failure, bad boy, you failed, right? Fear, scary, pull away, adversity, oh shit, I'm in trouble. It's like, no, no, that's because the language, that's because the meaning you give that word gives you that. So it's like, we need to change the meaning and how we feel about these words mm. into like an empowering way. Because we know that when we overcome these things, we always have something on the other side of it, right? And I just think we are living in a world full of victim mentality. We are living in a world where people limit themselves. They take their power away because of what others are saying around them, because of stories that they tell themselves. And I just think it's really important for people to like open up their minds as far as what they give meanings to with these words. We want to use them as obviously we need meanings to words, but we don't need to make it limiting mm -hmm. to that. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. And what's helped me the most with that is, and I've done it on this podcast is as thoughts arise, I get curious. You know, it's one thing to say, bring awareness in and curiosity, but then sure, that sounds good, right? You know, and we hear that, right? But how do you actually do that? Yeah. And, you know, it might sound, what's the word, kind of adding more to the chaos, but if there's already so much mental chatter in my head, which I have a lot of mental chatter, and most of us do, right? For me, I get curious about these thought patterns and you guys have heard me in this podcast already catch myself and that's it. When I can hear these thoughts and then kind of step back and take a moment and witness the thought versus get lost in the drama. You know, one of my facilitators of medicine ceremony said, take the helicopter view, right? Instead of like being on land in the what's going on, zoom out and kind of look down. And that's like the game I play within my own mind. When I start finding these limiting beliefs, I go, it's almost like a game of meditation, you know, in meditation, they teach you to note your thoughts like, oh, that's a thought. I recognize it as a thought. I'm not getting lost in the drama. Well, that's the way I think outside of meditation, right? Like if something's coming up and it might be uh, something limiting, I'll be like, oh, that's interesting. I won't get lost in the story or the judgment, but just by being present and able to catch that, I'm able to rewire the neural pathway in real time and change it into something more loving and positive without spiritually bypassing it, being like, oh, no, I don't want to look at that. That's shame. You know, it's being like, oh, okay, I see I'm feeling this way. Why am I feeling this way? What do I need to do to really embody more self-love? And as it boils down to like the message of my book, it all comes down to self-love, you know, towards the end. And I don't mind sharing this or anything, but I have a very contrarian view of mission, dharma, and purpose. And so many people in our spiritual awakening experiences, like as we integrate, 
really want to figure out like, oh, what's my Dharma, which is a Sanskrit word, which basically means why am I here on earth? What is my purpose and mission? You know, a lot of people in spirituality talk about mission, like we could get star seeds and why am I here on earth? What's my mission? And then everyone, whether you're spiritual or not, thinks about purpose. Like, oh, I have some grandiose purpose, but here's the thing. If we're not filling up our cup first, we're, we're going externally, filling, adding more chaos to the world. And the biggest thing I can say about Dharma mission and purpose is an ex, it's a more external pressure that is self-limiting that is keeping us in this like, oh, I need to do more. I need to do more. It's like, no, we don't need more of anything. We don't need any more of anything. If we, if it's true, which quantum physics does prove that the outer world, meaning what you experience with your senses is a reflection of the inner world, then would it be possible? Would it make sense that all you would need to quote unquote do is just get your inner world in order? And I don't think there's enough talk about self-love for that reason, because there's so much of, oh, let me help you find your purpose. You need to find your purpose, your mission. Then I'm like sitting here like, ah, what's my mission? What's my purpose? And it's like, no, maybe, maybe all your purpose is, is self-love. It can be that simple. Great segue into what does that mean? What is self-love? Yeah. How do you embody self-love? And one of the practices I adopted into my own being was waking up in the morning, asking myself, how can I love myself today? And this goes back to what I mentioned earlier about like the checking in the boxes of doing all the spiritual things. Yes, I might want to do all these things and that's great, but I'm not going to put the pressure on it. It's not if your, what you do in business and what you do in your life is very different than how you feed your soul and how you embody self-love. Life requires structure. It requires obligations. Same with business. For that reason, when we say, you know, work-life balance, in a lot of ways, it's the same type of thing, right? Like it belongs in the same category, whereas love, self-love, love for others, same difference, right? And feeding your soul, that's going to change. You don't have to. No one is saying that you need to wake up and do breath work. And that is the only way you can love yourself. If I can sit in this moment and be like, all right, I'm coming to the close of this podcast with Lance. I have a few more obligations that I need to do today. But in between those obligations, do I want to sit down? Do I want to sit down and just close my eyes and reflect about the experience I just had, maybe visualize what's going on later. Or maybe there's a guitar right next to me in this office. Maybe I wanna plug that in and just jam for a few minutes. Or maybe I wanna go outside and actually feel the cool air outside and get some fresh air. There's an abundance of options. I don't need to look at a list of things. It's sitting here being like, what feels good to me in this moment? And what can I do to and really give myself more self love. And for some people, it will be as simple as just closing your eyes and connecting with your breath, which is a beautiful practice. And I absolutely love breath work. However, it's not a practice that you're going to do all the time. Other times you want, might want to do something more, what I call humaning. And this wouldn't be something necessarily that you would do in between like taking calls or doing podcasts or, you know, sometimes it is, but 
Netflix and chilling. Sometimes just watching garbage TV and being like, I'm going to enjoy this this show, whatever it is, that is just mindless and just be a damn human for a bit. And I'm not going to shame myself or maybe to your point about McDonald's, I don't eat that, but I will eat ice cream and things like that. And if I yep. eat a tub of ice cream, because whatever, I'm like, all right, I'm going to enjoy this, right? That type of thing. Yeah, I get it. I completely agree. And yeah, I don't eat McDonald's either, but you know. I know you don't. <laughs> I, yeah, the point of that, everybody is like, you know, that's, that's the thing. It's like, sometimes you just need to do what you, what, what you feel like doing in the moment. You know, I mean, sometimes you need a Netflix night. Sometimes you need a pizza night. Sometimes, you know, there's this, again, it's the shame we build around things and then we feel bad. And it's like, it doesn't do any good. These expectations of what you think you should be doing all the time. It's not even the truth for you. And mm -hmm. that, that is so important. It's like stripping away all that just allowing yourself right is to to connect to what you need in the moment is that what you're, that's what you're saying right essentially yeah, exactly. like stripping away a lot of the out the these Narratives, expectations distractions expectations you pick up your phone and everybody's doing this things and and you start to you start to feel like your life gets created as to what it should be from like who you're watching on social media it's it's really bizarre yeah. it's really yeah. bizarre yeah. And you know, that's the paradox for myself as a content creator, like not being a fan of social media and, and wanting to show up authentically and also realizing like with my podcast, I don't have any business goals tied to it. It is for my own mental health where I often need to check myself is like, okay, well, at what point am I doing this? And it's not in alignment with my truth and my purpose and my why of doing this. And this, these are all the types of questions we ask ourselves. And that's different for everyone, you know, to your point, like it's these external pressures. And if we can just get more curious and really sit with ourselves on a daily basis and a moment to moment basis, we will find more fulfillment. I mean, I'll, I will tell you guys, I found myself in Costa Rica Thanksgiving day. I took a flight to, and I'm American. I took a flight to Costa Rica for yoga teacher training, went into it saying, I do not want to teach yoga. I don't know why I'm doing this, but there are so many whispers and synchronicities that led me there. And I was like, I've heard amazing things. And I, I do want to do this for my own soul development through the process of going there by the second night, I was like, no, I want to teach yoga, <laughs> you know, it, everything shifted. And it wasn't so much. I want to teach yoga. It was more, I want to show up in a way of being open to teaching yoga because I will show up differently. If I, if I keep showing up like, oh, I don't want to teach yoga, then I'm not going to really do this practice with my fullest potential. And this is kind of like the soul life balance, because that's a very more masculine archetypal energy thing to do. Yang, fiery, things like that. Having said all that, teaching yoga has been one of the greatest gifts for me it is so, I love it so much. And I would never have been able to get there if I didn't embody these practices of slowing down moment to moment to really be like, 
oh, is there a sign here? Is there a message here? Am I being led here from, we could call it my higher self, my soul or spirit guides or something else, but this feels in alignment. So I'm going to keep doing this. Uh, same concept of sim swimming upstream. So many of us are like, man, it's just so hard, whatever X, Y, Z is. And the metaphor is like, no one wants to swim up river, go upstream. It's a gentle way of being like, oh, we need to course correct and get you with the flow of the river. When things just start aligning and just like clicking, that's when you're going, you know, you're going with the flow of the river. So anytime you're feeling like, oh man, I'm banging my head against the wall. That's another metaphor we could use. Well, maybe it's time to just slow down, do a simple self inventory, see where things aren't in alignment and then course correct. Totally. You know, and something came up for me when you decided to do yoga is that how many people, and I talk about this also, get these ideas that what they want to do. Like for you, you were there, you're like, I want to do yoga. And then how easy would the old Sam have said, no, I'm not doing that. I'm talking myself out of that for this, these reasons, these mm -hmm. reasons, these reasons, that's not me, blah, blah, blah. How many people Get those like inspirational moments. I talk about um, in my book, the intuition scale and like these like real strong pulls that we get. The ones that are so important to act on because they make such a, such a difference. And that to you has made such a difference in your life. And what if you decided to say, nah, I'm not going to do that for whatever reason, because, because of the stories of the past, I'm not a yoga teacher. I'm this guy. I'm that guy whatever else. And then it doesn't go, and then it goes away. And then you miss out on that. Speak to that a little bit and the importance of somebody having that, that, that thing that pops up and they're like, holy shit, I want to do this. Oh no, I'm, I can't do that. I'm not that person. I totally agree. And whether it's like yoga, I'm not that person. And, you know, I would say the permission slip thing, like what got me back into yoga was hearing Rogan talk about how hard and tough ro uh, yoga is. And here Rogan, like one of the manliest men of the, our current generation is saying how hard yoga is. And I'm like, I haven't done yoga in eight years because back when I did in college at the gym, I remember my bros making fun of me outside the, the, well, the window and that's not what men do. Right. You know, so now being able to be a man that is like, no, this is, this doesn't make you any less of a man. If anything, it makes you more of a man to actually embody and be a balanced man and sit in that. So yeah, I totally agree with that. To answer your question more directly though, a lot of it, it comes down to like the conditioning and programming, right? Like look, it, it's like that victim mentality. I can't do xyz because of xyz and it can be anything it can be anything that you justify in your head that you can't do for any reason but the and it also has to do with you being the average of the five people you hang out with most which is a very well-known quote originally said by jim Rohn, i believe but yeah that's so true if you're hanging out with people that are like no, dude, no, no, whatever. Like you, you can't do that. Like, that's not a good idea where it's something empowering. And they're saying like, well, you can't afford that or whatever the reason is that's very limiting. And that there's be a gentle invitation to see 
where your energy is and who you're hanging out with because you want people that lift you up. And yes, it feels uncomfortable, but you, once you start to do these practices of getting curious of what really it is that you want to do in, in your own awareness and getting curious, you'll start to know what's a yes and what's a no. And you'll want to go down and chase it further and further. And the, it's a very spiritual thing, but like if we could call it the universe, if the universe is aligning things to make it easy for you to do X, Y, Z, like for example, me choosing to do the yoga teacher training, everything lined up on paper. I kind of do a blend to your point of the in, intuition scale, which I love. And I can't wait to read about that and see that in your book. But yeah, I, I do something kind of similar, just a self inventory of like, a masculine and feminine or soul in the life or yin and yang type of um, inventory. And one would be very masculine being like, okay, on paper, does this make sense? I'm going to do the old school thing of pros and cons. Oh, wow. I can see it on paper here that literally everything is here. Well, it's also very important to me to connect with my spirit guides. I believe I have a pretty good relationship with connecting with guides and synchronicities and signs, asking for signs. And then when I got three like big signs in a row that were just like, whoa, like how did that happen through conversation with a random stranger on the beach at a birthday party that I went to? And somehow he brought up yoga. Next thing you know, he said something about how he had a friend, a guy friend doing a yoga teacher training in Costa Rica. And I didn't even bring it up. And I'm like, okay, he's talking about a man doing a yoga teacher training in the place that I want to do it. Like that's, that's pretty much a sign, right? Like that. And I don't remember the other two offhand at the moment, but the point being using this kind of blend of like the more masculine type archetypal energy of does this make sense from like a logical point of view to intuition, feminine and more spiritual and soul, like am I being called to this? If you can find ways for yourself to really do that internal check, then you will be more guided to making these decisions. And to Lance's point, to your point, like everything starts to blossom from there. It's just beautiful, right? And then you just start going with it more and more. I recently signed up for, I won't get into that, but I have a whole nother thing that I'm doing now that feels so uncomfortable. And this is where the growth happens a lot of times. And you need to be responsible, you know, we can't, that's why I call it soul life balance. That's why it's a balance. We can't go too much in our masculine being like, okay, this is all good. Right. And convincing ourselves that way, or we can't spiritually bypass and be like, oh, my guides told me all this and it's going to be perfect. And it feels so right. It's like, but on paper, it's not logical at all. Well, I don't know. So it's really important to have this balance between it. I love so, that. Yeah. It's so important to have that logical balance. You're completely, dude, it's so. Because you can't just be out in the stars all the time in the astral. You got to have like real life sense too. But yeah. that is the that is the thing that I think is so powerful that if you can get the balance of like that logic, like you're speaking about, and that spiritual energy that you can tap into, you're unstoppable. Mm -hmm. As an entrepreneur, as anybody, like if you're able to go, all right, feels good. Today's the day I'm in flow. I'm going to push, push. I'm going to get as much done. And then you're able to sit back and you're able to tap into the, the, the being, the feminine, to be able to tap into the things you need to do to kind of recharge, re, 
fill your tank, get new information, assess the situation, and then be able to go back into the masculine. Dude, I think that is so powerful for people because that's the missing piece is that either people are like they're stuck in the astral and the spiritual world. And they're not, they expect everything to just yeah. fall out into like fall out of the sky or people are like too, too much in the 3d 3d meaning miss reality. Everybody where like matter changing matter, mm -hmm. you know? And yeah, it happens. It's been proven, but it takes longer and it creates a lot more stress. So if you can create that, that balance of, of like you said, like the, you know, the real, the logic, does this make sense on paper? And then asking your, you know, your higher self or your, you know, whatever spiritual to you, what the truth is. And then you have an answer. That's, I, I love that. I feel like it's the most powerful and useful way to go about life. What, what, one more thing I want to add too is um, on the book, the, icon the logo you could call it whatever it's an infinity with a yin yang in it and this was something that came up for me and you know my story we didn't really get into it but it, very easy to sum up was chasing business goals crossing goals off my list only to feel more empty to go for another goal realizing that I know it's not about the destination. It's not about the journey yet still caught in this hamster wheel of chasing dopamine success. Right. So hearing you kind of reflect back to me, what I was just saying was, oh, I also want to add in the idea of the infinity and to be completely authentic with you guys. I'm in a season now where I'm very much in my life side of the equation and I'm lacking on the soul because I'm reintegrating back into business. I'm falling into back, back into old habits because it's been about two years since I've really been, you know, building and doing businessy stuff. So I haven't really need to challenge myself. So I've been working on bringing more soul back into my life and not having the equation be so heavy on life and that's the point like it's just like the infinity whether it's highs and lows or there's different experiences but it's a continuous loop with no destination and that's one of the things i really like about the message of soul life balance as well because we can always do this inventory and we can always change it at any time and no i'm not perfect i don't believe anyone is perfect and i also don't believe all is perfect you know like i think there's a little bit of spiritual bypassing to just say Oh, it's okay. All is perfect. Yes, everything is as it should be. But the word perfect, like, what does that mean? Yes, in a sense, everything is perfect. But my point in terms of this, I'm kind of rambling, is just knowing that we can always course correct, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a great point. One of the things that I think we can both relate to is in the spiritual community is that there's a lot of people that are seeking answers through psychedelics and plant medicine. And there's a lot of people that do a lot of ceremonies, whatever the ceremony may be. Some people are, maybe their, their purpose is to do thousands, but some people aren't. Some people it's just a matter of sitting with it, taking the information and integrating it. Now, I have talked about this personally around, 
I've noticed that there's people that seem to not be happy with the answers they get from sitting with, whether it's ayahuasca or, you know, psilocybin or 5-MeO-DMT, whatever it is. And they're not taking though that homework essentially that you get with mm. the medicine and integrating it. Now, can you speak to us as to, because I know a lot of the reason why you wrote this book was because you saw that as well as to the, the problem with the spiritual world of chasing the next experience versus integration. Speak to yeah. us about that a bit. Yeah, I love that you use the word the homework from the medicine to integrate as well. That's so good. So when I first was making the decision to do ayahuasca, I will backtrack in 2000, I will, 2018, this guy came into my awareness that was telling me about microdosing with psilocybin. And at the time I was in Silicon Valley doing a lot of business networking on the board of a couple nonprofits that were very close to organizations like the Niners, eBay, Intel, Adobe, to name a few, and chaired a young professionals group. So very businessy and, you know, of course, drank after work and on the weekends, did things like that. And it, maybe some other extracurricular activities as well for certain big ragers with college friends or certain things. But I don't think I really did psychedelics since college or even high school. Like I did a lot of mushrooms in high school and college, but I probably went like eight years without doing mushrooms. And, you know, this guy is telling me about microdosing with psilocybin mushrooms. And I'm like, eh, I don't know about that. Even though like, you know, I had some RA very profound experiences. And then he sent me some articles about how Silicon Valley executives were microdosing with psilocybin. And I was like, oh, well, that's interesting. Sure. Okay. That was the thing that really turned it for me. And for me, I look back at kind of like the movie Limitless. For those of you that have seen the movie Limitless with Bradley Cooper, phenomenal movie. And what microdosing with psilocybin is, it's a very low dose where you won't even feel like you're on mushrooms. It's like the neuro pathways and rewiring and built in more creativity, a little bit more happiness for life. And you don't really even realize it's happening. It was an amazing experience and it worked really well for me. And my friend, Billy, he was telling me about ayahuasca and I was like, I, what, what are you talking about? And sent me some videos on that. This is in 2018. I was like, wow, that looks really interesting, but that also looks extremely scary. And I knew I'd be doing it at one point in my life, but I didn't know when or really when. Fast forward about six, eight months later, I went through one of the darkest and most numbing depressions I've ever been through in my life. It was up there with when about eight years previously, I was in the living room when a friend hung himself in his bedroom and, you know, went through that whole thing and then integrated being in the house and seeing my friend hanging and then old family pulling the plug about two weeks later. So that was a very numbing depression. And, you know, this other numbing depression in February, March of 2019 felt like that. It was like, you know, maybe getting a couple hours of sleep when I'm waking up energetic, but not energetic with enthusiasm, just like I'm uh, absolutely alert, even though it's been like 30 days and I'm averaging like three hours of sleep a night, you know, like that numbing depression. If you know, you know what I'm talking about. And 
then ayahuasca came back into my field and I wasn't searching it out. It came to me and everything, like I wasn't into spirituality. I'd been meditating for less than a year. That's it. I've always been spiritual curious. Didn't know spirituality was a choice at the time. I didn't know there was a thing like you could be spiritual. I thought, you know, I'm a spiritual person, but I didn't know anything more. You know, that's it. I was just like, I am Jewish, but the religion doesn't resonate with me and I feel spiritual, but I don't know what that means. So anyways, ayahuasca came in and there are these major whispers, synchronicities, uh, messages, whatever verbiage you would like to use that helps you understand this better. And I said yes to doing the medicine because I was like, I, I, I will do anything. And that first night changed my life. It was everything I had been seeking. I talk about in the book. And then the second night was extremely difficult. I talk about this in the book as well, not to get into that whole experience, but I went from the first night being like euphoria, bliss, understanding everything and just all everything making sense to the next night, having like a very real, scary, telepathic communication experience that was just way too much to experience it versus the first night like realize that's the thing if that makes sense i go deeper in the book anyway integrated that by doing a psilocybin ceremony for healing two weeks later at the time i didn't know you could use mushrooms in ceremony for like healing and transformation i just thought like oh mushrooms you go hiking you have some like really spiritual experiences i didn't know you could actually sit in ceremony that's how green i was back then and I did that ceremony about two weeks after ayahuasca. And that was really where everything clicked. And from there, I was talking with my mentor probably before I went to those ceremonies and he was a little concerned and he goes, listen, just make sure you're using the medicines as a tool and not a crutch. So I was like, okay, yeah, I know these are stacked right on top of each other, these two ceremonies, but it is being used for that. I would say from that time in April, May of 2019, I probably went maybe five to seven months not having done psychedelics again. The only form of psychedelics I had done was microdosing with mushrooms. It, like I hadn't had any, you know, recreational experiences with friends or by myself or ceremonies. And what I found in the next two years from 2020 to even now, 2022, March, end of March, basically April now, is that eventually for whatever reason i started jumping from ceremony to ceremony looking for more healing looking for more transformation looking for more guidance and i had to get very curious with why i was doing this and to your point not actually integrating the medicine like i did the first time and what i found was like very similar to joseph campbell's hero's journey model the 12-step formula that any story is based off of i created not like this is anything groundbreaking but to make it more consumable and relatable and to help people with their own discernment a transformation cycle with medicines that's kind of inspired by joseph campbell's uh hero's journey model and it starts with normal life just like jo joseph campbell right and then the next one is there's some sort of introduction or reintroduction to the medicine for my experience with ayahuasca 
this person came into my life that I introduced ayahuasca to me, right? So it's an introduction. Maybe after you've done medicine, you know, you're integrating, there's some sort of call to adventure, very similar to the hero's journey, that's bringing the medicine back into your field. From there, it's actually sitting with it. Do I feel called? Is this actually something for me, right? And you use synchronicities, discernment, and intuition to really make that decision. From there, it's the taking the medicine part, which is 10% of the transformation, the actual ceremony part. 90% lies in the integration. After that, you have this new heightened awareness of your human experience. And then the cycle repeats. You go back and integrate again into normal life. Well, where I found this was getting cut off in myself was there was no from heightened awareness of my new human experience back to normal life. I was just staying at that state of heightened awareness of the, my human experience and working my way back in the cycle, going backwards, going back to the medicine again, and not going back to forwards to normal life, which would be integrating. And I started to realize that, huh, this is so interesting, whether it's myself or others, there is so much talk about the medicines. Well, if taking the medicine is 10% of the process of transfer transformation, why isn't there intentional speech about integration if that's where 90% lies? And I started to really realize that within myself and obviously the community at larger as well, a lot of us are just going back to the mess and again, again, and again, but that defeats the whole purpose, right? So for me, a lot of this, this book came in to the subtitles, a guide to igniting and integrating spiritual awakening experiences, psychedelics and plant medicine, earth medicines, they are phenomenal. I absolutely am a proponent of them, but the same, right. We need to be extremely responsible with the way we approach this and, and really realize and are we properly integrating in a way that makes sense for us? And it's not about if it makes sense to someone else, it's does this make sense for us? And through this book, um, not just that cycle, but I talk about different ways to integrate. And that's kind of like, you know, a broad overview of my stance for plant medicine, but is definitely a fast track to transformation and spiritual awakening experiences, no doubt. Yeah, that's a great point. So if somebody is, you know, we'll probably wrap it up here, but I want to give people a little bit of takeaways. So somebody that is intrigued and they may want to, they may want to discover spirituality or create more of a soul life balance. What are some take, what are some things they can do right now? Other than number one, get your book, get into that, read that. I'm going to also link our first episode together. So if people want to dive deeper into your story and get more context, they can go. So we'll do that. My team will link that. So we'll have both. But if you can give maybe one or two or three takeaways, someone right now, it's like, yeah, I get it. But what can I do right now if I don't have your book or whatever? What, what is something yeah, that think, they can do? I think that's a great question. I'd say number one is just start to trace your thoughts. You know, if you can sit and take just a few minutes, not putting any pressure on yourself to say it's two minutes, five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes, just a few minutes to just sit and just do an evaluation of how you feel in this moment, not stories of 
what you've done recently that you're proud of or what you've done recently that you're not proud of just sitting in in this moment how do i feel and seeing what comes up for you after that it may look like journaling it may look like taking some notes maybe there's some downloads or you know realizations epiphanies of things that you'd like to work on for sure do that Next thing I would say, that being number one, just like this self-inventory or reflection. Number two, connecting with your breath. And for me, I would recommend anyone that's doing any sort of physical activity, getting curious on how you can connect with your body more in that physical activity. Now, obviously I'm biased and I'm going to say, take a yoga class. For me, like the thing that I, when yoga clicked for me, it was because the instructor made it so much about the breath. And I will, obviously we're always breathing, but when do we take intentional breaths? Like when I go into yoga class, whether I'm teaching, not as much as I'm teaching, but more as a student or my own self-practice, when I'm stretching to my full ability, sitting in that warrior two and my arms are outstretched, my front leg is at a 90 degree angle and I'm not cheating anywhere. And I can breathe, letting my belly expand like a balloon on the inhale and exhaling, bringing it to my spine and really stretch out all my muscles and connect with my breath. Like that is a very, very deep moment, you know, and you can connect to those, whether you're just sitting here doing conscious breaths and just doing like some light breath work, or you're going to connect it to some physical, physical exercise like yoga. But I would definitely uh, encourage you guys to get more curious with that. Then from there, just examining your thought patterns on a regular basis. Like maybe it's in this moment right now, there's something that I just said, or maybe after you're done listening to this podcast, something comes up and it's a thought. Just be like, huh, okay. And try and trace backwards and get to the root of that thought. And that's an exercise like... I, I don't know how it sounds to other people, but for me, like that's been so helpful and just you know, dropping into the present moment and bring more awareness and curiosity and reprogramming my thought patterns from negative to something more loving. Uh, contemplating and just understanding, slowing down. What you're describing is like, yeah, becoming more just present with your body, mm -hmm. your thoughts, and just being okay with it yeah exactly try and alleviate the adversarial voice that's always there telling us that we're not something right yeah powerful stuff man it's been it's such a journey it's been an amazing journey being able to you know experience drinking a lot of margaritas in our beginning of our <laughs> 2020 especially me and tequila and the the couple years of transformation that so much shit has gone on since then, but I'm so grateful that we got to experience that one aspect of ourselves. And then, you know, we've both been able to go through the medicine space, which we didn't get into. I think we might've talked about it in the last episode, but, you know, plant medicine space and then the, this personal development space, and just this, this beautiful journey that we've both been on and to get us to where we are today. And now you're, you know, I know that you've written, writing books is something that you've done and you got your newest book out and it's, it's really great to see your journey, bro. It's really been awesome to witness like the way you shifted just from like me seeing you and experiencing you in life and social media and everything. And it's, it's, it's an honor to see you growing like you are 
and super grateful, bro. Thank you for coming on today and sharing all your all your wisdom with us. Same, Lance. It's it's such a journey, and it's so cool. Like in a lot of ways, you and I are a mirror for each other. Our stories are obviously different. Everyone's got different stories, but so similar in a lot of ways as well. And it's been great for my my side as well, watching your journey and seeing things unfold as they are. And you listen to your own intuition being in Mexico now, right? And Dr. Joe retreats everything else you have going on. I can't wait for your book. So thank you so much. I really appreciate the opportunity. Thank you. Awesome. So we got Soul Life Balance, Guide to Igniting and Integrating Spiritual Awakenings. We can have that. It'll be in the show notes. But where else? Where can we find that book? We can link everybody. Where else can we learn more about what you're working on, Sam? Absolutely. Thanks, Lance. The best place to go is soullifebalancebook.com. There you will find all the links to my social media. You'll find the link to the book. You will find resources that go along with the book. And everything that you could be interested will be at that link. Beautiful. Dude, thanks so much. Thanks, Lance. Appreciate it, brother. See you soon. Thanks, everybody. Make sure to go get Sam's book, Soul Life Balance, A Guide to Igniting and Integrating Spiritual Awakenings. Great book. A lot of really good insights for any of you out there who are curious about spirituality and want to unpack and understand what it means and actually integrating it into your life. Okay. And you guys, if you aren't subscribed to this podcast yet, please make sure to do so. And if you got value from this, share it with somebody you need it or leave us a review. It really, really helps. And most importantly, I love you guys. And we'll see you next time. All right. Much love.